0: Hi, welcome to the I Am A Kingdom Influencer radio broadcast. I am your host, Elder Corlette James, and I am so happy to be able to connect with you in the airwaves on today. Now sit back, buckle up, and let's meet today's influencers. Well hello and good evening good morning good afternoon wherever you may be hearing the sound of my voice welcome to the I am a kingdom influence broadcast. I am so excited to spend some time with you on today. I am Koylette James and we have an exciting show in store for you. I am very very big on people that um focus on things that will make an impact into the lives of others, obviously, but also into the structure of things that are around them as well. So I'm excited today. At my guest today is a young lady by the name of Karen Walker. And I have to tell you that what really, really drew me to her initially was the name of her book, because I just absolutely love the title. She is the author of No Dumbing Down. So welcome to the show, Karen, and thank you for being a part of I Am a Kingdom Influencer.
1: And a sincere thank you to you, Coylette. I'm uh, happy to be here. Thank you
0: thank you you gotta tell me about the book what is the yeah. what is the crux of the book what is the inspiration for the book um let's just get in it
1: all right well thanks um so no dumbing down was uh, born out of my experience and we'll talk more about that i'm sure as we get mm-hmm. into uh the rest of the show uh, but but dumbing down if we think about dumbing down in an organization it's we're all pretty familiar with it it's it happens um uh, it's it's what I think of as sort of teamwork as usual. And the way that that occurs is that, you know, we, we go, somebody decides that the organization is going to work in teams or we're going to do better in our work with teams because teams have enormous potential and they're, you know, we must work cross-functionally in today's organizations. I don't know anyone who can work in their silo and be successful. Right. And so we have this big all hands meeting and people come and they get excited and there's some, Training and we do trust falls or something and we get hats and t-shirts and and people start to believe that this time things can be really different right Mm -hmm. and so they go back to their teams and they They try these new behaviors and for a while things get better and people are pretty excited about it Mm -hmm. And then what happens is we just revert back to our old behaviors and so, what happens is conflicts start coming up and they don't get resolved, or uh, decisions don't get made or don't get made well, or people we thought were sort of in the same ballpark as we were around our values, and our priorities turn out to have different values and priorities and 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 then things well, things get worse, and what happens is over time, as these things get worse, we, in particular your a players, will not want to work on the team anymore, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to want to work in a situation where they have to dumb down. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the reason that the dumbing down comes up is because a team can only work at the level of its lowest performing member. It's like a weak link in a chain, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about the teams you've been on, you know, you can come in with all the vim and vigor and expertise in the world, but if there's a low-functioning member in that team, you can't move forward without them. Okay. And so your A players start to avoid the team. It's like a tar pit, right? They don't want to go there. Uh, and eventually they will, they will stop contributing the team. And I, my experience is they will exit because it's, it's insidious. It's sort of like a corporate virus, right? Once this thing takes hold, it, it spreads. And, and then your organization really cannot work into its potential. And I also firmly believe, and my experience shows, that the, the most important team to pay attention to this on is the senior team. Mm-hmm. Um, it is CEOs and senior leaders who are responsible for making sure that this phenomena does not take hold in their organizations okay. uh, and they have to start that by working together as a true high-performing team at the highest level mm-hmm. uh, and I, I believe it's it's a responsibility of this team to make sure that teams in the rest of the organization are high-performing as well um, and so that's what No Dumbing Down is about. It's a personal mantra uh, for uh, individuals, both the high performers, and I think anybody in an organization, mm-hmm. people do not come to work wanting to dumb down. Right, They wanna come to work being able to do their best, being able to contribute, being able to see the difference that their work makes. Mm-hmm. And um, when you get into, and I think it particularly happens, um, I work with a lot of startups, and they can happen there, but it's easier to sort of root out <laughs> or to find the cause of and correct. Uh, in large organizations, we get sort of this flywheel going, right? Where just a little bit of effort can keep the flywheel going, right. rather than in a startup where sort of every action and inaction you can see immediately the result. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to be extra vigilant in large organizations to make sure that office policy. Politics, um, don't get in the way. That conflicts get resolved, and so on.
0: What What are some of your key strategies to help the them stay on target? It's like, you, and you're right. You know, you have these these pep rallies. I call them. You know, right. you go in, and it's like rah rah, and like, yes, we're going to do this. And yeah, a week later is back to normal. So how do you combat that?
1: Yeah. Great, uh, great question and place to go from there. I will say that when things sort of dip back, right, when we go from rah-rah to trying to make things happen and things get worse again, I think performance actually declines after that it doesn't doesn't even go back to the level it was because people got their expectations and their hopes up Mm -hmm. and they put in a lot of extra effort right to make this thing work and then when it doesn't work they pull back and i think performance actually drops at that point but in order to sort of create a culture of no dumbing down right what are the what are the strategies that senior leaders can deploy to do that the first is um, really valuing process as well as content we have to pay attention to how things get done, not just what gets done. Mm. And that can be really hard because we all have too much to do. And it's really nice just to be able to check something off the list or know that somebody else took care of it right. and, um, and not pay so much attention to how it gets done. But if you want an organization full of high-performing teamwork, you have to value the teamwork mm-hmm. as well as the work of the team.
0: Mm. Okay? You know, I, I, I am such a, how can I say this, I guess an advocate for Hmm. the worker underneath the C-suite executives, Um, because it annoys me to no end to go into an organization and see people being treated as just a number. Like, you know, I just want a body to sit in front of the screen and just aimlessly do what I tell you to do. And, And that annoys me because to me, you lessen the value of that person you know, and especially if you don't give that person voice, if that person is not able to contribute literally to what's going on, you know, you literally, you stifle them, you take their voice away. And I believe that it lowers your productivity and your bottom line for your company. You know, if I'm going to be a robot, I'm not giving you 100%. I'm going to do exactly what you told me to do. I'm not going to go overboard, you know, and then merely on my way and get my paycheck and go home. You yeah. if, you, if you want a robot,
1: you're not going to get any risk taking, right? That is being, correct. The definition of being a robot is that you don't take risks, you do exactly what you're told to do. Mm-hmm. And if your employees are not taking any risks, uh, if they are completely risk averse, uh, you're not going to get uh, the best work from them. I think at the, at the base, it boils down to respect. Mm-hmm. We have to respect the people who work for and with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we do that, then we find ways uh, to make
0: all these other things happen. If we don't so, have respect, then you're going to start to get that. You know what? And, and you have to give respect to get respect. That's, you know it, It's not an automatic thing. You yeah, know, I can exactly. say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am all day long. That does not mean I respect you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I, that means I know how to survive. Right? That's right. That's yeah. exactly yeah. correct. Yeah. Exactly. So, tell so us that, a little bit about your background that got you to where you could identify these different issues in companies. Yeah,
1: so I'm an engineer by degree, so I come at the work that I do a little different than many people who do what I do. Okay. Um, I was fortunate enough to be in the neighborhood when a company called Compact Computer was started, and I was employee 104, and that sounds like a lot of people, but <laughs> for, for Compact, it wasn't. We hadn't shipped any product yet. We hadn't even announced our product yet. We didn't have mm. any revenue, um, and I, I was really fortunate to be there and be part of the senior leadership team that grew that organization. Mm-hmm. from 100 people to 17,000 people by the time That's I left incredible. and from no revenue to 15 billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And and that I mean that in itself was an amazing thing, but we were the fastest growing company in American history at the time. Mm-hmm. We did 111 million dollars in our first year in revenue, not valuation, revenue, and we were the fastest to a billion dollars in our time. Wow. It was it was amazing and and part of it was of course that we didn't know that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. We, we, we didn't we didn't say, okay, in one year we're going to have $100 million, and in a couple of years we're going to be at a billion. So we had to make all these sort of strategic plans around upside and downside. Mm-hmm. And so I got really good at, at doing that, at understanding fle- the need for flexibility, at understanding the need for agility, at understanding the need for everybody to work together because you could see uh, as i said earlier the impact of the work they did or didn't do and we didn't have time or space or resources uh, for anybody to not give 100 or 110 percent right? right and i was in charge of all the global um, infrastructure for the organization which wasn't a very big job and wasn't even called that when i joined right <laughs> we were just a little tiny organization um, but by the time i left um 14 years later I had, um, I don't know, spent about a billion dollars in capital and I uh, had about a $50 million a year expense budget and a giant team, hundreds of people working all over the globe and thousands of contractors and consultants. And so I learned a lot about mm-hmm. what it takes to make an organization work and to grow. I also learned a lot about what not to do, Mm -hmm. because growth hides a lot of mistakes, and we definitely made mistakes, uh, and you could see them and learn from them, and it's like, oh, we're getting in our own way again, right? (laughs) Um, So to learn from that and to learn what not to do as well as what to do, and then I left after 14 years. It was clear my job was just going to get bigger but not different, and I didn't want to keep doing that. It was an amazing job, but I didn't want to keep doing it the rest of my life. Uh, And so I took a little time to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, I knew I was too busy while I was there to figure out what I was going to do next. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I moved to New York. I took classes at Columbia. I went to a lot of conferences. I just explored. And uh, I met my now husband uh, and Mm -hmm. business partner, who's a PhD psychologist who comes at things very differently than I do. Mm -hmm. And we worked together for 10 years. He had been working with CEOs and, um, we formed this business, and uh, between us, we have a pretty broad spectrum of uh, looking at problems, of solving problems, of understanding what's going on in an organization. Uh, and uh, it's just been an, it's been amazing uh, the kind of work. And I'm so results oriented um, that just to be able to see the difference. Uh, that we can make an organization um, is very rewarding. So I want, I want to do work that's rewarding for me. I want to do work that makes an impact for my clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I take clients who, uh, who want to be better CEOs, right, mm-hmm. who want to be better senior leaders in an organization and really make a difference, not only in terms of growing the company, because we can do that financially in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways, and mm-hmm. growing a company that is a good place to work that is uh, an employer of choice uh, as well as getting these phenomenal uh, returns on, on the investment that's been made.
0: That's awesome. I believe that when you like the place that you come to that you call work, it ceases to be drudgery. And right. Real work. Um, and, and you're more productive, obviously. So from a standpoint of an engineer, you, I would imagine, focus in on structure and strategy, like, you know, very rigidly, I, I could imagine. Is that so? Yeah, um, I definitely appreciate a good process.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but what's also true, I think about this sort of this continuum from startup to grown up, Right. And we think that these we think organizations should move in linear direction, right, from starting right. to grown up. Right. But in fact, um, I, I argue and I have seen that organizations who are successful can double back. You don't have to you don't have to get stuck in grown-up mode because when we think about startup we really think about just in terms of process sort of seat of the pants right there's mm-hmm. no process you just do what needs to be done in the moment and you move on mm-hmm. uh, and when you think about grown-up companies you think about companies that have a lot of process that you know there's there's a process for everything there's a way things get done around here uh, and that can be stayed right that can really stifle things um and i i believe that you have the ability in your organization to apply process to those things where you can use process, right? If they're replicable and repeatable and scalable, just do them over and over again. But there are many things that we, we apply process to uh, in a rigid way that is not serving the moment. Um, so to really, whatever the moment needs, to be able to respond to it. If you need a process, have a process. If you need something more agile, be more agile. And to give your employees the, the freedom to decide that and to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I think over processed organizations um, really slow themselves down. They hurt themselves. They can't react to the change that needs to happen mm-hmm. in today's world. Right. What's coming at you both from the outside and the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're always falling back on process in some ways, you're also not thinking through the problem. You're just
0: relying on the process. I think you just kind of stepped into my brain pattern. (laughs) Um, Because what was was in my mind to ask you, especially since you deal with C-level executives, how difficult it is to get them to embrace change. Um, Because a lot of times when you get to that level, you are like trenched in your way. And this is how we do it. And this is how we've always done it. And this is what works. And so how do you get them to transition? Yeah. Good question. So a lot of the,
1: uh, the CXOs that I work with um, definitely have things that have made them successful in the past, right? That's mm-hmm. how they got to be CXOs. I think right. that's true for all of us. Uh, we have behaviors that we, we rely on and we should not throw those away. Mm-hmm. What we want to be clear about is that any strength overdone is a weakness, And so if you take that strength, that way of doing things that you've always done, and you apply it to every new problem that comes your way, you will not be as successful as you've been in the past. You will have giant blind spots when that occurs, right? You'll be applying the wrong tool to the problem that's in front of you. Um, And so there are a number of ways to do that. But one is working with the team. Now, that doesn't mean that the CEO or the CXO has to give up all the authority right? If you have an answer that you know is right and you're going to go forward with it, come hell or high water, mm-hmm. do not involve your team because you're going to be asking them for something that you're not going to follow through on. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if it's something where there's a little opening about, hey, maybe there's a better way to do this, mm-hmm. you can still make the decision. You can have the, you know, the authority make the decision with input from the rest of the group. So to, to build a team around you that you respect, um, their capacities and their capabilities so that when you have a problem that comes up, you can solicit input from the rest of the team and they feel safe enough to give it to you, mm-hmm. right? You're not gonna beat them over the head. <laughs> uh, they feel safe enough to give you an opinion or uh, an approach that's different from your own. Mm-hmm. And that diversity will, will really narrow the blind spot that you have because I think that's the number one fear that CEOs and CxOs has is what what don't I know? Exactly. right? That's the stuff that wakes us up at 3 a.m. Right. Uh, by getting a diversity of opinion uh, and approaches to whatever the problems are that you're trying to solve or the strategy that you're trying to set or the planning that you're trying to do, that diversity will help you lessen the blind spot and really increase your chances of
0: success. That's awesome, that's really good. Um, so what how do you how do you structure what you do for your companies do you go in do you have workshops do you do seminars do you go in and just set up shop for a month just to make sure they stay on the straight and narrow how do you accomplish your goals I would say the answer to all of those is yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it depends on the client. Um, I have okay. some clients where I I do just coaching and executive consultation right mm-hmm. I, I'm on retainer I get called for um, once I get to know the organization and the individual you know I get called when they just need to talk things through mm-hmm. or there's a board meeting coming up they don't quite know what to deal with or there's a thorny issue in the organization between two SVPs. Who can't sort it out right okay. so I get called for those things um, but most of my work um, I typically go in with a CEO or a CXO um, I work with them individually in the way I just described I also work with their team okay. to make sure that the team is clear about what they're doing and why mm-hmm. which is strategy work but it's not the kind of strategy that's a big binder you're going to put on the shelf it's the what are we doing why are we doing it um, and Uh, Do other people in the organization understand those two, the answers to those two questions as well? And then I work with them on the what's it take to execute on this? And the stuff that gets in the way is rarely technical, right? Most companies have a really good product and growth companies tend to have a really good product market fit. Mm -hmm. So it's all the other stuff. It's the stuff in the white spaces, if you will, that gets in the way. It's that we're not making decisions correctly. Our priorities and our goals are not aligned. Or if they were, they've gotten misaligned because something has changed, right? And the, the different strategies that are in the book, which uh, have to do with no dumbing down, right, is one of those, but, but also things like this, um, this uh, startup to grown up, um, the idea of making some parts of your organization run like a utility. So you can just flip a switch and they work and you don't have to think about them anymore. Um, And then um, I think this idea of creating time to think Mm -hmm. is something that really falls low on the priorities because it's never urgent. Mm -hmm. And nobody else does that for you other than you might be occasionally uh, pulled into an annual strategic planning retreat or something, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But senior leaders and organizations, I think one of their greatest responsibilities is to create time to think so that they can see the big picture and they can take action from that viewpoint. Too often, we are going from meeting to meeting to meeting and playing whack-a-mole at the office, right? So you remember whack-a-mole, the old game? Yes, I do. <laughs> five, five moles that come up, and boom, boom, take the rubber mallet, and back in. And so we solve problems like that. We just bounce from meeting to meeting to meeting, solving problems. And then people will say to me, oh, I only can get my work done after hours because I'm in meetings all day, right? Well, that's not good enough, right? You have to take control of your calendar and create time to think. Um, and so there's some some ideas and and strategies for doing that in the book. And then I think the last thing, uh, and if if without this, none of it really matters, is is accountability. You have to have a structure. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you want your you want yourself and your people to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a structure that reinforces accountability for these, Intentions and that you have around the behaviors that you want, mm-hmm. people will revert back to their old behaviors. We do it every time. We do it. when We get under stress. We do it when, time, when uh, timelines are tight. We do it at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year. And I've experienced, I experienced it myself when I was on that side of the mm-hmm. of the table, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to have a structure for accountability. Nothing onerous. But, you know, times when we're going to check in, how we're going to check in. Mm-hmm. And then a method, right, this is the process versus content thing, again, for talking about what happened and why it happened, mm-hmm. if, whether things were successful or not. Uh, and I think uh, that sort of uh, mechanism is uh, not only useful, but it's critical to uh, an organization's success.
0: Have you ever experienced having to go into a situation with a company and, Kind of be the bearer of bad news, just to say you are no longer relevant in what you're doing, and so let me paint a new picture for you and give you a new vision board to work off of. Have you experienced that? Um, I haven't experienced
1: a company where what they were doing wasn't relevant that they didn't already know. Right. Okay. I, I am. I have been called in on several occasions where a company realized what they were doing was irrelevant, okay. and they needed to go in a new direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's the sorting out. What's that going to be? But the, the bigger problem often is how do we get the rest of the organization to make this transition mm. particularly if it's in a large organization or an old organization mm-hmm. where employees are um, employees are they've been've they've experienced failed change in the past which makes them really resistant to new change and so you have to be very thoughtful and deliberate and uh, and do this over time with them to get them to to buy into and support the new vision that you've got Um, and certainly i mean often i see there's there is a giant new vision right and it's right on it's it's on trend it's where we need to go Mm -hmm. and then um, the employees don't understand what that means to them right that translation hasn't taken place in the middle Mm -hmm. and without Mm -hmm. that even if they're well intended they don't know what to do to help get you where you want to go and so i've spent a fair amount of time doing that kind of work um, I work anywhere from Inc. five hundred to Fortune one hundred companies, um, and I'd say, particularly in the larger companies, that can be that can be a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. I can understand that. Well, Karen, tell people how they can get in touch with you because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that need your services.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk a little about that. Um, My website is uh, karenwalker.us. That's all traditional spelling, karenwalker.us. On all the social media sites, I am karenwalker.us. Uh, And if you uh, want uh, more information about the book, No Dumbing Down, just go to NoDumbingDown.com. That will take you back to my website, to the book page.
0: Uh,
1: And I, again, really
0: appreciate uh, speaking with you today. I can't believe our time is up already. I know. I know. It goes by very, very fast. Do you, by any chance, have a copy of the book that you can hold up and show them? Absolutely. All right. There you go. There you go. So now they know what they're looking for. Awesome. Thank you so much. It has definitely been a pleasure to have you on. Um, I have so enjoyed our conversation. And I just like I said, I was just drawn to the no dumbing down. That was just monumental to me. So thank you for all that you shared. I don't know. Okay. Um, Thank you, listeners. Thank you, everybody, for being a part of today's broadcast. I hope that you have found it informative. You are endeavoring to do. Um, And I just, I'm so excited for what I've learned just in listening to Karen. It was very, very informative. So thank you again. Um, As you know, we close out the show just inviting you to be a kingdom influencer, keeping in mind that you can make an influence in someone else's life just by the simple smile and a hello, and that gives value to them to let them know that you recognize who they are, that they are of value. So always, always, always seek to impart value into the lives of those that you come in contact with. Thank you so much for being with us today. I really, really appreciate it. And we will be with you on the next broadcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for this edition of I Am a Kingdom Influencer. And remember, you have the ability to impact the lives of all those you come in contact with. You are a kingdom influencer.
1: This podcast is a part
0: of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.